Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are, because that means you can give us money. That's right, you can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That's tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Up there right now, we have some Thick Boy Season merchandise. We've got some Hus Hus shirts. And also, we've got some Corey Hammond-related merchandise coming soon. A Corey Hammond, Corey Hammond's t-shirt, hoodie, and a whole lot more. You can get all of them right now, sent to you nice, comfy, and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. And also, you can find it in the show notes. Now back to that podcast you like. three-on-one podcast as always i'm your host matt ryan and i am joined as always by big rob fabian and Corey hammond but we also have a guest with us today on the three-on-one podcast one of the things we talk about here in the a7fl is the idea of being a safer professional football league and with that today we have one of the new medical advisors the chief medical advisor for the american sevens football league arthur de luigi doctor thank you so much for joining us while you're at the mayo clinic in phoenix to be a part of the show today we are so grateful you uh, are able to make the time to talk to three schnooks on the internet about things that we barely understand at like a surface level like it at a subsistence level we get maybe three percent of it most of it being the word football but i digress when it comes to your path to becoming our chief medical advisor what is uh what attracted you to the a7fl what what got your attention and uh what was the path to getting you here today you know, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, when you look at the league itself, right, and 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 with the way it situates itself compared to uh, the other football leagues is, uh, you know, without the helmet, you know, uh, from that standpoint, oftentimes the helmet is used as a weapon, you know, and so, and that's where we've had a lot of the head injuries now, you know, people, you know, are, are feel safe because they have the helmet on and so that they would make the contact. And uh, this is one of those unique opportunities that I saw uh, the A7FL and and uh, was reaching out uh, for opportunities to to work and collaborate uh, to try to continue to make this game uh, safer than uh, than the other leagues that are out there. And doctor, when you took a look at the A7, you talked about no helmets, no pads. That's one of the big things that mm-hmm. we've stressed as a league. I think the three-on-one throw-off is also an amazing example, not to bur- you know belabor the pun because we are the three-on-one podcast, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the three-on-one throw-off, and we've seen it uh, numerous times in this league where you have elite athletes being able to use their speed and athleticism and not basically become human lawn darts. There have been positions in traditional special teams in pro and college football where there are just living weapons out on the field who are their job was is to launch Brian Pillman, who was a pro wrestler and a football player for the Cincinnati Bengals, basically encompassed that job and had probably a deteriorous effect on his brain. What about special teams in football? And we've seen 
some hor- horrific injuries coming on special teams play. I believe one recently in a high school game from New Jersey. Corey, you can speak more to that because I believe it was in your town. But yes, it was. The, the idea of our special teams is that something that should be universally adopted or is that something to be looked at as a potential solution? Cause we saw the XFL's very dangerous original iteration on how to deal with kickoffs. Uh, we saw the first game in league history, a guy's leg completely imploded. Uh, what, what about the three on one is safer? I, I've kind of laid it out already, but what's your thoughts on the three on one? Right. So, you know, uh, Comparatively, you know, when you're looking at it, you're you're talking about those wedge busters, right? You know, so they would they would create a wedge, you know. So you know, I, when I played, that's you know, those were part of the things that I, that I would do, right? You know, so and you know, before I was a doctor, <laughs> you know, from that standpoint, you know, you'd go back and you'd run together and you'd make the wedge, right? So that you'd have that line that would be moving forward, and so when you're on the uh, the kick coverage team, right, you're you're you have people whose sole purpose is to come flying in there and bust that wedge, right? So, uh, you know, they're, they're going full kamikaze and trying to take down as many people as they can, right? So that so that others can make the tackle in, in relatively open field without any other blockers in the way. So, you know, eliminating that and going, you know, with the three-on-one setting, right? You don't have, you don't have that, uh, you know, that full, full, full forward momentum that's coming through. Um, right. So, and many times the wedges that you're, you're relatively stationary, you know, you, I mean, even when you look at onside kicks, right. You know, used to have the, used to have the team getting a 10, 10 yard running start and the other people are standing there completely still with the ball coming at them. Right. And they have to focus on catching the ball and they're getting obliterated, right. You know, from that standpoint. So, you know, when you're looking at, you know, you know, player safety and, you know, and trying to prevent uh, potential catastrophic injuries, you know, the, those are easy things that you can change by going with, with, with one of the, the with the, something like the three on one, uh, you know, a setting like that for, for special teams. So. One of the things you were talking about is with the, the using the helmet as a weapon and the metaphor that I always use because I'm a, I'm a youth coach um locally here um i try to get really involved with the heads up football program which is getting the head out of the game in in the form at these younger levels as well as uh these guys out there that come in and help us uh a, a organization called tip of the spear some former nfl guys you know changing the way offensive linemen kind of you know the rob knows the way he was coached is you gotta go into it and, and you and you do this thing and you get your head on the side of the ball so you can drive as opposed to you know more of the you know the hip thrust mm-hmm. to get underneath and change the the momentum so you're 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 striking at an angle and upward and all that kind of stuff which is great using physics and science in football um but the metaphor that i use for the kids is that if you have a suit of armor and you're Iron Man, you're going to go out there and you're going to fight the, you know, Centauri, to use the Avengers metaphor, a little bit different than Hawkeye's out there with just those glasses, right? So the, the, the mentality of the football player changes with less armor. And what I love about the way that the true form tackle in the A7FL is executed there, there's no love lost. And, and I've heard, you know, Rob, big Rob could speak to this. I was talking with some of the guys out in Vegas on just our calls, uh, you know, talking after the games. And I, I was reminiscing about a, a, a Ron clerk hit Rob 
in which after an interception, uh, a safety blocking, you know, kind of that clean side change of possession, you know, easy hit. He's striking with the the shoulder, shoulder. Head, head away to the middle of the 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 now you know it's a change of possession. So the former offensive player, now defense player, he struck him in the body so hard it sounded like fireworks were going off a mile away. So the 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 physicality and the the ferocious hits that we love about football can still be here. But as a doctor, you would say right if you're if you're striking with the right part of the body in the right form without the protection and everybody's doing the right thing that makes this game, you know, in comparison, much safer, does it not? Oh, absolutely. You know, good technique, utilizing other parts of your body to, you know, be able to take down an athlete, you know, uh, and, and, uh, and make a tackle and that could still be a vicious hit. Right. But, but not leading with your head. Right. So, and, and, and there's opportunities where you could train with other sports that, you know, are utilizing for takedowns, you know, you know, rugby is, is one that is, is quite assimilated with some of the roles. I, I played rugby in college uh, prior to that, you know, I used to wrestle. So, you know, so when, when you're doing that, you don't want to put your head down, right? Because then you're, you know, you can't see where you're trying to go and, and, and take down, right? So, so you learn how to use leverage, you learn how to use power, uh, you know, from that standpoint without having to use your head and be able to, you know, take somebody down. So, so, you know, utilizing some of those skills that you could gain from, you know, uh, other, uh, uh, you know, avenues of, of training uh, and eliminate, you know, the head first hits, right? So uh, from that standpoint, you know, but, you know, back where you're saying back in youth, you know, many times you, you, you know, kids, including myself would look at your helmet and see how many scars that you had on the helmet, right? Like, look at this, you know, orange streak here right. and this white yeah, and there, here's look. There's a little chunk taken out of this you one. Yeah, you know, yep. and and exactly. And so, you know, and you know, if you had the most paint, right? Then it was like, hey, you 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 know, you're you're being more, you know, you're being more active. You're you're being more physical. You're being in there, right? So, you know, the mentality then is even Maybe when you're a younger conscious. kid, right? You you you're 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 thinking about using your head because you you know, out of all of the equipment you have, your helmet's you know big and strong, right? From that standpoint, right? And can and can do damage. So, so if you were kind of looking at, you know, moving away from that, you know, and, and that was one of the things that you know, I was saying that it, maybe we need to go backwards as, you know, from that standpoint with, with the helmet revolution, instead of making the helmet, you know, smarter and harder and, and encouraging them to continue to hit with the head. And you say, well, maybe we should go back to the other way to the, almost to the point where there's no helmets. That was, you know, before I had discovered the A7FL. So it's great to see a league had, was also thinking in that same concept, right? So, you know, eliminating that and using different, you know, focuses on techniques of good tackling uh, and using your, your overall manpower uh, in this situation for upper body strength, lower body strength, getting a good center of balance and making a good form tackle, right? W without having to knock somebody out with your helmet. So, so I had a question. Is there yes. such thing as a safe helmet? You know, there's where, where they say is, you know, they're, they're, this is when you talk to different people, you know, uh, there, there are some people who say, 
no helmet's safe because even when you're putting a helmet, so yeah, it's a peanut in a shell, right? So your brain is a peanut in a shell. And by putting another helmet on there, all you're doing is adding another layer of shell, but the peanut's still going to move around within the shell, right? So, and, you know, so you'll have people uh, coin the term, you know, intracellular helmet, right? So when we try to new, do the things with be to protect the brain itself, right? You know, maybe, you know, having it where or you have you know, the um, you know nutrients that are in there or chemicals that would be in there for supplements you know where you take it and it helps stabilize the neurons you know those nerve brain tissue cells mm. you know but but adding more shells um, you know it's still going to move right you know so when we talk about you know injuries I'll use the term in boxing it's that coup counter coup hit right so when you get punched in the face you have that initial contact but when you're the back of your head you know smacks against the back of your skull and then you go backwards and then you come forward again the front of your brain then smacks the front of your skull right that's still going to happen even with your having a helmet on so so you know, what you're the, what you're kind of laying out for us because a lot of us understand the, the general principle that mm -hmm. you know concussion bad right but but right. i think what what you're saying and, and kind of explaining is 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 the helmet protects the skull Yes, but since the way that the brain is in our skull it is is kind of like a floating, you know, body and and can move back and forth. The danger is the brain moving back and forth and hitting the skull on those impacts, not the actual force cracking the bone that houses the peanut. Right? Exactly. So, exactly. so no matter what the helmet is, is when that when the head is involved in the contact of a poor form tackle. The rattling of the brain is the problem, not how hard, soft, impact, resistant, impact shop absorb or absorbing the actual equipment is, right? That is that is that is exactly what I'm trying to say. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I would say I'm closer to uh dumb than uh you know genius level. And but but I think it's important Gosh. to kind of understand is the mo well, I mean, I could be self-deprecating. We had a whole, we had, a, we ended a whole show with roasting me and it was my idea. But um, I, I think so that people understand when we're talking specifically about this, this game, A7FL, what we're doing is, is, is we're removing the need for any type of protection for that peanut, because it's just best to make sure that the tackles are more Greco-Roman and rugby style. Right. where it's a takedown or what the Seattle Seahawks have been kind of teaching that, that, that Hawk tackle where, where they scoop and, and then turn their body. So it's almost, they use the momentum of the, the torque of the twist to be what brings them down. So we're getting really into the science of it now, you know, not to break away from the more important part of it, especially with, you know, recent events, player safety, I think has to be the, the biggest and most important issue not only with football now, but the future. And like I said, I'm a youth coach. So this is something that I think about all the time. Um, I have three sons. One's going into high school and the high school that he is going to Woodbridge high school in central New Jersey was one of, if you didn't know, was one of the places where the worst thing that could ever happen happened. And I don't want to recap that because it's obviously a tragedy and tragedies are tragedies, regardless, whether it's a car accident, plane crash right. or what happened unfortunately in a high school football game but the but the fact is is that for the future of football whatever it ends up being whether it's our league which i obviously think is a great option or it's the similarly you know padded football that everybody's become used to these issues with safety 
affect the most important thing, which is the pipeline of kids that are able to play because their mothers are allowing it because it's not right. something that they feel comfortable. I, I, I coach youth football. Fourth time I've said it in my town there, you know, six years ago, there was five teams. There's now two teams because they all combined because the, the enrollment is going down. So the NFL and, and football in general may not ever be more popular than it ever has been. But if what feeds those professional leagues, including ours, is children learning to play this game the right way from the beginning, what do you say with the the current conversation that we even have within our own circles within the league about trying to make this game something that we could tweak to be something that we offer for youth to continue this safety? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to, you know, again, when you're looking at the kids and, and you, you, you could talk about all injuries and pads and equipment, right, from that standpoint, right? So, you know, when you look at, you know, youth, you, you actually had the knee pads, the thigh pads, the rib guards, right? You know, the, you know, so a little bit of everything, right? So, you know, you almost were like the Iron Man, right, at that point, because, you know, yeah. most everything was a gilded suit, right? You know, <laughs> you know, to try to protect you, right? But those pads, you know, with younger, you know, uh, you know, skeletally immature youth, right, you know, you're trying to prevent, you know, a, a, a shoulder to the thigh, which is going to, you know, crack your thigh bone, right? You know, and, right. and, and injure your kneecap, right, from that right. standpoint. So, you know, once your skeletal mature adult, right, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of those players remove those pads, right? So, you know, from that standpoint. But the helmets always has been there, right? The shoulder pads remain there. And even still, when you're saying, looking at some of those skill players, the shoulder pads are becoming really petite, Right. You know, there were more. I, I wore kicker pads. Yeah. Right. That's even in I'm high saying. school. I don't even know if I was. <laughs> right. You, you, you didn't want gigantic pads. Right. Unless you're a lineman linebacker. Right. You know, so where you didn't have to move your arms above your head as, as much. Unless it, unless you would buy the thick boy season shirt, tinyurl.com <laughs> backslash H7FL merch. Um, so I just had to make a joke and plug always yeah. good to get, get both. It's always great. Always great. So, so to, to, so, so to, to, to help you get to, so to, continue yeah. to answer your question, right. This is going to back, you know, almost could go back to the backyard football, right. You know, from yep. that standpoint, you know, and, you know, when you talk about, you know, you know, comparatively, you know, what, what makes, you know, soccer, right. Football everywhere else, you know, so, so, you know, you know, fan friendly, right. All you need is a ball and kids, yep. right. You know, so if we're coming back to here, football coming back to, you know, going out there, teaching kids the right way to tackle and you need ball and kids, right. That's going to go through, you know, every community, you know, from that standpoint and, and you can still play safely and still be very active and enjoy the, the rules of football, right. You know, making yeah. the first downs, getting the touchdown, you know, making those big, Big plays and catches, you know, dodging tackles, right? From that standpoint, without having that, you know, or limit limit the injury uh, potential, right? especially the catastrophic injury potential. You mentioned the soccer. Uh, we we have a uh, friends of the show. Uh, they do their they do a podcast out in, in San Francisco uh, called the All Pro Jaffos. It's a country K guy from Florida, uh, uh, JP and uh, DJ Madsticks, uh, not necessarily important, but one of the cool things that they, they said one time, I was a guest on their show, they were talking about our league. They saw our league as the way to bring football to the Olympics. Yes. Because of what you said about, you know, the, the fact that, you know, you don't need the pads. It's, it's, it's a pickup game. It, it's just a ball. And then anyone anywhere in the world, if they have 
an oblong shape, whether it's a pineapple, whether it's a coconut husk, something, you could probably start the process like we hear about, like Mariano Rivera playing uh, baseball in his hometown with a with a uh, with a milk carton as a glove, right? So yeah. that type of you know easy access of this game, whether all you really need is a ball and the and and the want to, but would this be a scalable thing to make football a, a sport that we could maybe take this internationally? I in believe so. Yeah, I believe so. For that, for that, for that same reason, you know, um, you can play as long as you have a, a, a playing field, right? Whether it being the street, you know, you know, dirt patch, you know, grass, you know, you know, inside a hallway, right? <laughs> you can, you can, you can play, you know, you can play football with a ball and kids, right? So, uh, and so that's really going to help grow it, especially you know across the world, right? Where you know you you're you're talking about you know how much pads do you need and all the equipment and you know football is a costly sport when you when you look at it from that standpoint, right? You need all of this additional equipment when you're growing up and playing youth football, right? So oftentimes you have to have a lot of money from the boosters to try to get the equipment and right and, and uh, you know going from all of that, but you can you can really take it to the the, the bare basics, right? And teach the fundamentals of football without the and minimizing the dangers of football. Um, before the modern helmet, you know, came out or was introduced in like the late 1940s and 1960s, they played a more rugby style of football. Yes. And for whatever reason, I guess they thought more equipment, more safety, more everything. But clearly, the fatality spiked and. I don't think they made that correlation, but then you got guys like Corey had mentioned, like Steve Carroll since like 2013 has been doing the heads up football thing. Why aren't more teams, coaches, owners paying attention to that and implementing it into the pro league? You know, I, I can imagine it's a, I, I, it's purely speculation, right? There's no, there's no, you know, beneficial investment for them right you know you know to, to some point you know you, you could you could potentially say if they don't buy in more right you know they you know you know there's been a lot of things that the different leagues you know play 60 thing you know trying to get kids out there and being active right, right. uh but then when you when you're when you're trying to go through a program that takes you away from your traditional game uh they could potentially feel threatened to to a portion right but at the same time it has helped grow it right you know some of these seven on seven leagues right right from that standpoint where you know flag football has helped grow you know to an extent where you know kids are able to play but you know flag loses a lot of that you know uh you know uh, that the physical the physicality that you like to play you know and even when you play full contact blocking flag football right you know uh it's not the same it's not the same the other side of the ball here you say that my friends they spent spent 20 to 40 percent of their podcast talking about the the glory days of flag so yeah um, you know and i played flag football right and i played full contact blocking flag football right you know from that standpoint and you know it's fun but it's not the same as tackling right it's not the same sport right you know I'm a bigger guy, right? You know, and you know, you know, I'm I'm built like you know somebody like the boss or Mike Allstott, right? You know, so if you have to bring me down, it's harder than. But if you have to pull my flag, it's it's a lot easier, Much right? Easier. You know? 
Yeah. So, so, you know, from that standpoint, but you can still dodge and, and, you know, uh, you know, do spin moves and, you know, you Dips, know dives and, and twerks. Exactly. <laughs> right. Episode right? 19. Yeah. That, was the, so, that was the name of an episode. And I, that's how it was discussing the ridiculous yeah. body movements that sometimes guys do in the flag. And I don't want to make this about flag versus. Right. Uh, right. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, just to kind of get off of the serious stuff and then I think we'll jump back into it, you know, just keep in line. I'm, I'm the show killer over here. I'm here to derail everything. Um, what right. else, Sorry, That's right. what else about our league, uh, got your attention? Cause it sounds like you're, you're, you're not only a, a doctor, which we all, uh, can look up to and, and, you know, have some uh, admiration for, but it sounds like you're a football fan as well. So oh, as far I, I, as the actual product and, and what you see as far as excitement and, and, and the way that it looks like football, you, you mentioned rugby before. We get that a lot. The thing about rugby is, is the physicality is there, but the, you know, the, the beautiful chaos chess game that, that football has become, um, it, it's lost in rugby because it's, it's more of just is. a physical form of, of, of basketball soccer where it's, you know, it's constant motion. It's constant motion. Oh, the conditioning uh, in rugby is amazing. Like yeah, and those the, guys most are, of our and, practices, we would run, we would run death marches back and forth across the field the whole time. Right. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, we would do passing drills where the whole way you do sprints all the way down, all the way back, all the way down, all the way back. And then you'd have to like, you know, tackle people, you know, and, and then do a scrum. Those were, you know, it's very physical, but you know, it's a whole, completely different game right it's backwards passing it's you know it's 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 like the it's like the Kyle Stanford play every game yeah. for every yeah. single play right? <laughs> or the or the uh what BIC or the, did yeah, yeah, to, the, the Patriot uh, the Patriots they... uh and uh Ra- Raiders a few weeks ago right that's that's the opposite end of that right so right. Right, uh, that, well, that that is a whole other thing yeah and we right. should talk about safety there because uh my guy Mac Jones should have just literally ran away from Chandler Jones at that yeah. point right um mm-hmm. So, so do you have a favorite A7FL squad or a favorite A7FL player? I don't yet, you know, uh, and I've been trying to follow and going from that standpoint, you know, uh, you know, obviously you have some of the, you know, the, the older, more traditional franchises being there, you know, uh, the, the New Jersey franchises have been, you know, tremendous there. And, you know, uh, you know, it's great to see the, the, the league expanding, you know, uh, you know, coming out West and, and getting those opportunities here to be out there. Right. You have a lot of the great athletes, you know, who enjoy playing football, uh, you know, and still have those opportunities to have glory days uh, out there playing. And so it's a great way to do it, you know, from that standpoint. But, you know, uh, it's great. You know, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, you know, so, you know, I, uh, it, there's no Pittsburgh leagues yet. There's no Phoenix leagues yet here, you know, so, but, uh, you know, uh, it's good. To, I mean, you know, a traditional, you know, you know, football, you know, state like Ohio has two, right. You know, different leagues there now. And then obviously, you know, LA and, you know, as it's continuing to grow and expand, you know, I, I, I could just see this really, really kind of catching on at each of those different states, especially when you're talking about football hotbeds, you know, that, you know, lived and died when I was growing up football's everything, you know, in Western Pennsylvania. So, you know, it was, it was, you know, 
you know, what the, the game of the week, all the high school football, just like, you know, it was in Texas and Florida, you know, and California as it grows. But, but uh, you know, there's a lot of underrecognized states that have extreme passions for football. And, uh, you know, so I, I really think this has a chance to, you know, matriculate into, um, you know, those leagues, you know, even even with the potential for, you know, uh, you know, our female athletes. So, you know, in Arizona, they just passed the AIA, Arizona Interscholastic Association. They passed, you know, a varsity sport for uh, women's or girls, right? Because it's so high school, you know, flag football as an official varsity sport now, right? You know, uh, so which, which is great, right? You know, so. I can see that growing here too with this opportunity. Yeah. And not, you know, women's and not hockey has grown. You know, women, women's you know rugby has grown. You know, so uh, the UFC and the mixed martial arts with women's division and boxing. You know, these all you know these combative and pugilistic and you know more you know physically uh, you know aggressive uh, sports, right? But we could do it safely, right? So it's great right. an opportunity for growth across the spectrum here. So. Yeah, and not and the league. name drop, but another right. another doctor involved in our league. You you probably know her mm-hmm. much better than I know. I know her by her name because she's famous. Is Dr. Jen Welter, um, and and we actually, Rob, you could speak to this. Uh, there, the video is hard to find of it, but there was actually a Virginia team one year that came in and 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 left the league immediately. And uh, one of the Baltimore teams actually was winning by so much that they actually put a female into one of our a seven FL games. And she actually scored. Do you remember that Rob four years ago? You sure it, was might, it, it was, it was the, the, the Virginia team that uh, they, that came in and they were only in for like four weeks because they were be- getting beaten so bad. Um, we're gonna have to go down to RTU. Yeah, to, yeah, there, there out. was an official female. I saw the video, and and it's it's been lost to the to the archives because mm-hmm. it was more of a troll um, than anything. And you know, uh, it's mm-hmm. keeping on brand for the podcast and myself. I'm gonna talk about uh, one of the all time trolls. But you know, one of the things that this league allows is for that you know ability to cater it to a game that would I think be you know an interesting way to involve uh you know the 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 fairer group of us uh you know getting I, I to that, play football yeah to, to and, put and a not have it point. be ridiculous you know ridiculous shoulder pads on top of lingerie which is i think just you know offensive right. but. to put a finer point on it Corey, i think that the a7fl is the most universal brand of football when it comes to the accessibility of the game all you need is a ball yes. Uh, there's no need for pads. Um, anybody can play it. The three-on-one affords just for anybody with athleticism. In the way that you see in high school games now, there's a lot of young women who are becoming kickers or punters. The opportunity for them to be returners in this game is entirely possible, as Rob's cat adorably climbs all over him on the podcast, which is... That's the thumbnail this week. On a very serious episode of the show, it'll be Rob and his cat. Uh, we are What's on cat's name, Rob. Uh, this one's gray. This gray one's on gray. the shoulder. So yep. I got gray on the top of my head. Rob's got gray <laughs> on the shoulder. Well, to 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 ask another question, Doctor DeLuigi, the evolution of football and American society has grown from, you know, the the fields of college, whether it was Harvard, Yale, what have you, going back almost over two centuries at this point. Uh, to the tipping point where Teddy Roosevelt had to get involved because the game became too violent and took more people than it, any game should. 
to the number two sport when it was college, the evolution of the NFL, and the thing that I think a lot of my generation and a lot of Rob Corey and your generation would look at as the 1970s, which was the era of high passes and hard hits. We at the A7FL have a lot of hard-hitting players. But it's what you've talked about before with the pads, the style of tackling that we teach in the A7FL, the ability for our athletes to learn a different way, that makes it the most universal style of football to me. But when you look at things, because you've worked, you know, your, your resume includes Georgetown, the United States military. You're currently at the Mayo Clinic. You've worked with the Arizona Coyotes. You have a curriculum vitae that would put 99% of the people I know in my life to shame. But when you look at all the stops you've made and you look at the future of football, what are the things medically that can be done on a subsistence level? Because one thing that we've talked about is the turf monster, whether it's calling a seven FL games, the possibility for that, for the way that we look at grass versus turf, because back in the day, turf would, you know, the original AstroTurf was basically concrete. And I'm going in a roundabout way to say, what are ways that football can be done safer? I am very stupid in trying to articulate a very delicate question, but how do we make football safer with the current means that we have, the different fields, the different styles of play? What are the things that we can do that are considerable layups that maybe the A7FL haven't touched yet? Yeah. So, you know, many times when medical, we talk, there's a couple different injury categories that we go through, right? There, there's the overuse, right? Those are the repetitive motion, right? The contact and the non-contact, right? So, you know, what you were saying, the turf monster, right? That was a, that's a dreaded non-contact injury, right? So, you know, you're not doing anything. The turf just grabs your foot and doesn't let you go. And, you know, someone like Jamal Anderson blows out their knee, right? You know, you know, there wasn't anybody within two yards of them, right? The turf right. monster got them, right? You know, so, you know, so you're, you're looking at something like that, right? And that old style turf, right? It was not forgiving, right? You know, and so the newer style turf is, is good right but there's still some injuries with it right all the little you know you know those pebbles that they have in there it kind of gives that give right it get, makes it more grass like grass is always still great but there's still always potential for injuries from that standpoint right you especially when you play more and more games on it how many how many times with the different stadiums you're saying well look how shredded this turf is it's going right the you know the players are slipping and falling right they can't get the the grass because the grass isn't taking anymore or they just planted the new sod and the sod hasn't taken right so so you know those are non-contact injuries right those are harder to right so we keep we can't come up with the the perfect substance yet right to kind of make it to eliminate them completely but i think that we're getting to that balance of the the newer style turf and the grass fields you know are are good to take away some of those uh, new non-contact injuries having good techniques going to take away those contact injuries. Right. And, you know, so, uh, so you're still going to get some, right. So, you know, when, when you have a, uh, you know, any sport, right. There's still going to be contact injuries. Even when you're playing something that's a non, you know, non-contact sport like basketball, right. There's still a lot of physicality with it. Right. It's not, you're not tackling people in basketball, but there's still hard fouls and injuries that can come from that. Right. So, so we're not going to completely eliminate injuries, but if you can eliminate, you know catastrophic injuries if you can eliminate you know the, those really detrimental injuries 
you know, there's still maybe people who will dislocate a shoulder or, or, you know, or, you know, separate a shoulder from that standpoint, or you're going to have sprained ankles, right? You know, no matter what sport you're playing, you're getting sprained ankles, it seems right, you know, right. Uh, but, well, but, you the know, wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could be walking the dog and sprain your ankle. Right? So, I got, you know, we so. talk about we famously talk about how many kids I got. Yeah, there's, there's enough Legos on the floor. You could have a whole bunch of different injuries. Some <laughs> right. of them might just be your pride because if you step on a Lego, but let's not, you know, let me let me not destroy this show totally and get us off the rails and onto a highway. Um, what what evidence have you seen? that proves the theory about our game because everybody talks about just not having the helmets from the rip is just already a good starting point but then you have people that that would maybe potentially you know you know to play devil's advocate a little bit that would argue well you know if the head does hypothetically come involved there is no protection for the skull there is no protection for instance orbital bones and noses and, and cheekbones and jaws and stuff so what evidence and and how how overwhelming is the evidence that this game the a7fl in, in the form that we play is safer especially towards uh head injuries and concussions specifically so it, it's going to come back to uh, it's going to come down to injury surveillance studies, right? So, you know, league surveillance, you know, having reporting of all injury types and you know days missed and coming back through that, comparing them to to the other sport, right? From that standpoint, but you know, when you're talking about Evans, it, a lot of time it's going to be extrapolated from, right? Because there, if there's not been a database collecting all of this, you know, to go head to head from that standpoint, um, you know, you're going to go to, you know, number of player contacts. So all practices, all games, how many injuries are coming from it. Right. So then you could say how many events are occurring per contact. Right. So, uh, you know, total contacts. Right. So that's really what it's going to come down to long term. Right. So in the short term, you look at things that uh, you'll take into a sport which emphasizes head contact in one aspect but in another um in another variation of that same sport de-emphasize head contact boxing right so if you look at boxing uh and when you're going to professional level you get rewarded for knocking a player out right so right, right? so that is one of the biggest ways you win right is you win by knockout right in the youth sport it's point system right you get one point if you hit them in the head and you get one point if you hit them in the chest or right so right so you have a singular scoring blow right so you're not seeing people trying to knock people out right because right. you leave yourself more vulnerable right to have points and you could still lose right from that standpoint so it's changing the rules that's changing to 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 right to de-emphasize those head contacts by removing the helmet, right? So you still have a head guard in, in the youth sports, right? But there's not that much head contact, right? Uh, you're not usually headbutting somebody, right? So there's not very many sports that emphasize headbutting somebody, right? So most people don't want to split their head open, right? Uh, uh, so, so if you don't have a helmet on, you're not trying to lead with your head to split your head open. Boxing, right? How many bouts are stopped, right? because of an uncontrolled bleed because of a you know inadvertent headbutt right the game sure. they stop the game it's mm -hmm. over right you know uh even with mma right from that standpoint they don't do it wrestling right even even professional wrestling is about the only time they show a headbutt but they're not actually you know contacting heads most of the time right, but, right, right. you know but wrestling itself if you're doing right, it right you don't you know, hit them in the head 
Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, 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 you know, so if you don't have that false protection, right, you're not trying to split your eye open every single time, right? You know, boxers still get hit in the face a lot, right? You know, but they're trying to protect their face, but they're not doing it with a helmet. Can you imagine like if they had the, you know, the old, you know, the, the amateur helmets on, it's, it's going to, they'd be even more aggressive with their head, right? You know, from that standpoint. So, so I'd say, you know, if, if anything, boxing would be our biggest evidence to, to show it, right? Because it de-emphasized the head hit and you don't have as many, you know, head traumas in the youth, youth aspect of it. Do you, Do you, I, go ahead, Rob, you go, Rob. Okay. Um, I'm a little passionate about this point because, because I am an offensive lineman, a former defensive <laughs> lineman, and we all know I'm, I'm 30 years, 33 years old. In my time of watching football, the game has changed, right? The pro football has now, it's, it's a little more finesse. It's less guys running up the middle, you know, smashing into the, the defensive line. I mean, way less that, right? Mm-hmm. So these finesse players aren't getting hit the way they used to get hit in the mm-hmm. 90s, early 2000s, when guys were getting clean. And I know as a lineman, every play, I'm making helmet-to-helmet contact with the guy in front of me. Do you think the reason why they're not rushing to get rid of the helmet in general is because the pretty boys aren't the ones getting hurt? Because you don't really see when when we're in the trenches going to war, linemen aren't aren't complaining about 80 – it's 80 hits a, a, a game. How many plays in football, right? Maybe 80 in total. Every single play, there's helmet-to-helmet contact with a, a lineman. Every play. If you do remove it, because I played in yes, seven. Exactly. And yeah, what I've noticed is I've never hit my head in a seven. Right. Is that what – is it because we're the linemen, we're the big guys, we're the tough guys? Is that why they haven't really – there hasn't really been a rush to remove the helmet or do something about it? Because the pretty boys are safe. Right. You know, I, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's not this, like you said, it's not the sexy position, right? You know, it's, right. The, it's, it's the grunt work that, you know, you know, that really makes everything work, right? You know, when you don't have a line, you know, it doesn't matter how many first run quarterbacks you have, they're, they're one and done, you know, for the most part, right? So, uh, you know, having the lines there, but, you know, and when you look at the history of even with the people in the NFL with the CTEs, right? You had the Justin Stralzigs, the Mike Websters, right? You know, they're the ones who are having the worst, the worst, you know, uh, you know, you know, long-term problems, right? The, the, the CTEs, you know, committing suicide, you know, unfortunately, in both of those you know, cases, you know, uh, so uh, it's all of those m- repetitive micros, you know, you know sub-concussive hits, right? Mm-hmm. But the accumulation is tremendous. But like you said, if you're in a situation where you're blocking man-on-man and sevens, right? It's a whole different technique, right? Completely different. It, it, it's 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 like you're like the moving screen, right? With physicality, right? Because you're allowed to push in in, in basketball, right? It, it's it's the guy going up and doing that pick at the top, right? You know, right. you know, you're getting your body in the way. You're 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 still driving them, right? But you're not you're not putting your head. You're not trying to get that leverage. You're not trying to, you know, somebody else isn't trying to, you know, you might not have as many rip curls and you know going through those different you know portions where you're going to get those contacts from one i was a lineman too that's you know, so i yeah right. so back in, I, hear so, the passion. Yeah. I hear the passion yeah so so you know you know it, it you get almost every single play right somebody's coming and hitting you from the side somebody's hitting you from the back right you know it's just a big scrum right every time right so and uh 
I, I would not doubt it. I would not doubt it because they're they're you know they want that physicality up front to protect the you know like you said the pretty boys uh, you know in in the pocket and you know uh, you know out, you know out with the speed guys on the sideline right you know but you know sometimes you know where where the worst ones are some of them right you know the the Antonio Brown hits getting their head taken off right, right? perfect right. and stuff like that you know when they get hung out to dry they just really they really just get clobbered right, right. you know and they you know I'm glad that they're you know removing you know, they've kind of taken that out of the game you know good bit you know but yeah i mean there's not much that you can do if you in even when you're running back right so if you're running back you they lower their head and they take somebody mm-hmm. out right if you mm-hmm. don't have a helmet on you're not lowering your head right you're doing a stiff arm you're doing you know you might lean not more than once into right exactly right <laughs> you can lower the head the one time and see how that one time right and then i think the uh the second time might not uh, happen as quickly yeah. um and and you mentioned that you know those that's not the sexy stuff but if you uh look at the people buying our shirts i don't know if it's just because uh tone had to buy rtc the shirt but man you know every every season's thick with season a7 fl doctor so you know we might just have to change the terminology in which term but i think what you're talking about is you know you mentioned the 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 explosion that happened to antonio brown and you know there's even talk maybe that all of this you know you know, abnormal behavior from him has kind of stemmed from that. But let's even go further with it because we can even talk about a guy like Tua, but let's not get specific to any NFL player. We're, we're going to keep it a seven NFL, but you know, you guys are talking about the, the, the repetition of the sub concussive hits Mm -hmm. is actually more dangerous than the, wow. Oh my goodness. He's out hit because what happens to the guy after he's hit like that, at least in, in most leagues, today right what is what does a coaching staff and a medical staff do when they see that hit they take him out he comes out and they and they assess for the potential brain damage they put him into the the protocol to make sure that the the longevity of this player's you know not only career but also you know obviously what happens after football right um you know i'm getting closer and closer to that as as going to be 36 of the season starts but but that's where I think what you and Rob were just talking about with what's happening to the linemen. Yeah. Right. When do the linemen come out, Rob? We don't. And that's right. the catch. We are consistently hitting with mm-hmm. the sub, what is it? Subconcussive hits? Subconcussive. Const- constantly. Every single play, maybe twice a play, maybe once a play, but every single play. And we and never I make out. a joke out of it all the time. But when, as a quarterback, when I was playing 11 on 11, whether it was Pop Warner, high school, college, Rob, what does the lineman do after every play call in the huddle, two steps out of the huddle? He turns around and asks me what question? Where are we going to what places? What's the count? So it's like it's like what 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 I see as that is, is you know using your brain as a lineman is I think it's it's undersold because yes there's there's levels of football where we were talking about it with the wishbone it's like you know if it's just simple offense just black guy in front of you but at the NFL level what Jason Kelsey does for the Eagles where he's throwing that bullet back to Jalen Hurts and he's doing a, a, a pull from the center position all the way around to the C gap. And he's going second level afterwards on a, on a combo block. These guys are thinking all right. the time. So, yes. you know, when, when I get the, the guy turning around and he doesn't know what I literally just said, is that or is that not a, a an example of short-term wow. memory loss from yeah. these kinds of injuries? Wow. wow. Right. I, and, I mean, and, and I make a joke I, out of it because no, we, no, we, we like to say that. On. 
we like to say that big guys, oh, you know, uh, you know, he's a dumb jock or, or, or whatever the, 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 wow. you know, the silly little thing is. But the scary thing is, is that, again, I, I, I have to live, live every day with the decision whether my kids are playing football and the right way to do it. And guess what? I involve myself in coaching to make sure that a lot of the things that I've seen in my own career, luckily I, you know, I've broken, you know, lit, you know, limbs, ribs, jaws, and everything. I, I, I was lucky for whatever reason, I think, you know, for concussions. But my, my brother played just as many years in football as me. I'm six foot, wife. I'm not 5'11". I'm six foot. If you look at my, if you look at my driver's license, I might just go get it. It's a six two. Now that's a lie. My brother was five foot seven. So his head, guess what? As a running back, wide receiver, slot. You know, mm-hmm. picture picture uh, Julian Edelman, a, a very famous head mm-hmm. situation in a Super Bowl, which you know I would have done the same thing. But I guarantee he had no idea what his name was in that fourth quarter. I don't know how he made that catch. It was probably not using, you know, the neurons. It was probably, it was probably instinctual. Right. But what I'm saying is, is, is my, my, my five foot seven brother playing the same amount of years of football as me had at least documented six concussions. Jeez. So it has always been something that's been relatively close to me. And I've been trying to think this, but, but I guess my, my question would be is, is, is that, forgetting the snap count that short-term memory loss is that maybe what we're talking about i mean that that would that would be you know defined as neurologic deficit right you know so uh because that uh, i mean by itself right but like even when you're going with it right so you you talked about players coming out you know i'd be i I haven't looked this statistic specifically uh you know from that but you don't see many linemen in concussion protocol ever Right. It's always the running back or the receiver or the DB or the linebacker. But, you know, offense, defense, alignment who are hitting their heads every single play. You don't you don't really see them on on that. You know, they're in protocol. Right. You well, know. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously I'm not a, uh, an NFL personnel guy, but the 45 man roster that suits up they may have three quarterbacks, six wide receivers and seven offensive linemen to play five eligible positions. And sometimes they, they go with, with a, you know, with a, a tackle at tight end. So that's, that's leaving one man or two men to potentially be the replacements at these positions. So I think Matt said it before, and I'm, I'm just kind of the, you know, my character on the show is just kind of the blunt jerk at times. So we love the sport of football. I think we all love it. I think all of us are excited to see, whether it's, you know, the the team that we're rooting for or the story of like, you know, can Tom Brady at, at you know, 83 years old beat the Cowboys? And, and, and we're going to watch football, right? We love this sport. We're talking about it in our free time. My wife's like, can we, you know, use the television tonight? And I'm like, no, uh, it's a seven NFL time. So we love this game. And I think Matt said it before. We're talking about things that, you know, even Rob, I don't even think he thought about the, oh man, I'm forgetting the count because I'm blocking Uh so well and playing so hard. We love this game. In many ways, the comp, the competitive spirit, the teamwork, the, the working past the, the, the physical uh, exhaustion and also overcoming adversity. I think football is one of the best things that our young men in America can do to prepare them for what life is as an adult. At the same time, we're also talking about a sport that in this last calendar year, but in in the past six months, 
a high school age child was doing this and and his parents now have to watch or avoid football for the rest of their lives, knowing that this is the reason. Right. And I don't want to go perfectly into that. So basically what I'm saying is, is in your opinion, doctor, since you're the one with the degrees, the intelligence <laughs> and the expertise, how do we fix football? And is the A7FL, unfortunately, even though in, in, in with the recent events, it kind of benefits us as being part of the league just because we love it and it's fun. What is the fix for football? And is it A7FL at least one of those answers? I definitely believe A7FL is one of those answers, you know, from that standpoint. You know, I think, I think again, you know, eliminating – the by by eliminating head to head contact right because head to head contact without the helmet is going to cause lacerations you know over your eye over your cheekbone or your scalp right you know you do that once or twice right you're not doing it again right so could could it happen inadvertently once or twice yes right it, it still could happen but the chance of it being the, the a concussive hit is lesser you know from that standpoint because you're not putting that full force right there are still chances where the NFL, right? Because they're, you know, you, you've seen safety uh, from that standpoint, right? You know, they're trying to penalize, right? You know, players, you know, when you look at collegiate sports being ejected from the game, being out for the next game, if you're using, you know, you know, really, you know, using a sparing technique, you know, to have, you know, you know, a dangerous hit to an unprotected, you know, player, you know, they're trying, right? They're trying to still keep that violence, Right. But it's a they're trying to cap that violence. Right. To to an extent. But there's still going to be hits like if you look at Tua's last two concussions, they were not that big of hits. Right. But, yeah. you know, uh, from that standpoint, but you, you clearly saw, you know, the, the effects of them. Right. You know, uh, you know, after he took those hits and that's just one player one time. Right. Just using that as an example, you know, and um you know, with those can still happen, right? Those can still happen because yeah. they weren't even that they weren't that vicious of hits to lead to, right? Yeah. So the two thing bugs me, and I think it doesn't have anything to do with us, but it's it, it's really funny that the entire football universe, especially fans, looked at the two as shoulder situation, hip situation, and and wanted to make fun of his health as much as they possibly can until it was convenient to rip into the NFL because they right. saw a guy that was trying to in a contract year trying to fight through an injury and they just didn't like the optics of the injury and now all of a sudden we care about health so everybody that was really concerned about Tua but was also making fun of his arm strength because he was coming back from a hip flexor you know just a just a very polite screw you um which is just my way of you know killing the show in my own way again <laughs> no no you're not you're not you're not killing let me I want to say something about the Tua hit too where Two, like you, like you guys both said, Tua didn't get his clock cleaned or anything. No. It wasn't that. It was actually when he was swung to the floor, the mm -hmm. head hit the ground and was shaking in that helmet. Mm -hmm. So it's like even if, even if they take away those hard head-to-head -head hits, when these guys are hitting the floor, they're still smacking their head on the ground, and that helmet's not protecting them from that. No, and all those action hits. Those those trucks that we've had we've had all that in A7FL mm -hmm. and I've seen 99% of the people get up concussion free. I don't remember seeing someone get up after getting trucked, stiff armed, run over. I haven't seen anyone even a big hit. No one was concussed. And even in pro wrestling, just to 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 uh, 
go with what Rob is saying. You're taught to tuck your chin to protect your skull. You're, that's right. whip, you're protecting yourself from whiplash. And even <clears throat> then, you're still not able to do it every time. If you get hit, you get slammed, and your neck or head lands first, that's, you know, mm-hmm. going to cause brain injury. And <laughs> Dr. DeLuigi, I'd love to talk about your role in the A7FL with the Medical Advisory Board. What are some of the things you're looking to bring to the A7FL in terms of how we play the game, how we look at how we play the game? Because, you know, we've been a part of several studies before, and Mm -hmm. the A7FL, to me, is the perfect encapsulation of the scientific method for professional football because we've been able to make such seismic changes in how you play the game. And within that... What are the positives? What are the things that we can draw correlation to? There's so many touch points with the A7FL, but what are the things you're looking at as you look to, you know, you're, you're in Arizona, so you know a lot about mountains. This is an interesting mountain for you to climb. What's your path to getting there? You know, I, I think one of the first things that we're going to look to do is getting with the injury surveillance, you know, you know, so an injury reporting system that's going to be tracked so we can kind of get the full breadth of what injuries are occurring and, and when they're occurring, right? You know, being aware that, you know, you can get concussions and alignment in practice, right, you know, from that standpoint and tracking that, right? So once we know where our, where the league has the softest spots, right, then you can try to figure out how to prevent those from happening. Happening, right. So, so, you know, that's one of the unique portions of an injury surveillance. So you track over a period of time and then you see this is, you know, one, you, you suspect these are going to be our most common injuries. And if it's that other thing that pops up there, like, well, we weren't expecting to see that type of injury come. That's where you can make changes with rules and, and, uh, and make progress or finding out why, right? So then, and you can dive deeper. So, you know, obviously concussion is going to be one that's going to be, you know, w- you know watched and tracked, you know, right. you know, but, you know, I would like to try to make the whole, the whole portion safer. So, so we can get more athletes coming and playing in the, in the league and, and staying active and fit and competing. Right. So, you know, if, uh, you know, and you know, th- these people are doing it on their own dime with their, you know, <laughs> with the, and on their own health insurance. Right. So, you know, uh, you know, so, it's one of those, you know, aspects is like, hey, like, look, this is, you know, this is your life. This is your livelihood from that standpoint. Right. And, you know, I want you to come out and be safe. Right. I don't want, you know, to every time you know, we're going to have, you know, for every game we have, we're going to have five broken legs and three dislocated joints. Right. We want to make sure we're trying to keep everybody out there, you know, healthy and safe. Right. From that standpoint. So, so that's where I'm going to be working with initially is creating that injury surveillance system across the league, you know, having the trainer report it so it's, it's going to be tracked you know within a database and then as we go we're going to always going to be you know monitoring that seeing trends that are occurring you know as as we're collecting the data but then you know once we have all of that data look at it retrospectively and say all right you know where were the biggest trends that we could change afterwards right because some trains are easily identifiable right right as they're occurring you can see that there is you know the trains off the rails right we got to bring this back in because you know this is definitely happening but some of them are the subtle things that you don't you, you weren't anticipating right at the end of the year you have 12 or 15 of these injuries you're like well how did that happen right it wasn't a lot but it was a lot more than i anticipated it would be right so so how do we prevent that so now, I don't know if you've seen the video, but uh, there, there is a viral A7FL highlight in which uh, one of the members of BIC, Kason Cunningham, 
um, you know, goes full hus hus mode. And have you seen that video that's went yes. viral? Mm -hmm. yes. um, what would you as a doctor do for my guy whose knee severed so badly that we <laughs> saw the MRI and, and, and it basically separated his, you know, all of the muscles in his, in his, in his thigh and quad from his knee. What would you say would be the rehab my guy from the force <laughs> has to do after an injury so bad? You know, it, it's going to take time, right? You know, uh, so one, it's going to take time. I'm going to tell him, you know, right off the bat, you know, we're going to, you know, this is the, you know, we're going to have to work together. We're obviously going to have to get everything fixed and then start building up that strength, right? And it's slow, steady progressions across that, right? You know, from that standpoint, you have to build up the other musculature, you know, around it to take off pressure off that as you're healing. But, you know, uh, what you know, do you we, think? What do you think? <laughs> it has a longer rehab process Re rehabbing that injury physically or or getting restoring his ego and pride after being dropped to the floor not being touched but the just the rock back and forth from such a violent juke the hustle I mean, if you will yeah. and i can still hear the yeah. damn <laughs> they just echo in yeah. the wind off of asbury park's beach yeah damn! Yeah, may not be that, ever, that is, you know, is, as long as there's like going to be a video out there, he's up. never going to completely shake that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's going to fall forever. But, but, you know, he could rehab it back. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, you know, the next time he goes, you know, when he gets back out on the field and, and, and can play and, and going back, right. Making that tackle. Well, right? Too it's, bad, it's, too bad yeah. for the force. They didn't sign up for the fall and they have oh, to yeah. come, come as yeah. the kryptonite uh, and yeah. as a Scooby-Doo villain. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, right. Guys, I don't want to continue to be a clown. Do you guys I, have, I, any I have, other I, I have more? a question. Yes. Let's be, let's be more serious. And then I can go back to my, my, your uh, jocularity, my, your my, premature uh, well, jocularity. I was going to say my face. Well, that sounded terrible. I was going to say face paint, but uh, pause. <laughs> um, Dr. DeLuigi, the elephant in the room in pro football is what happened uh, nine days ago. This uh, We're recording this on Tuesday, but it drops on Wednesday. So on nine days from when we dropped this podcast, uh, the injury that went down in Cincinnati uh, to Damar Hamlin, um, the w one of the things that came out of that, obviously he's going to be okay. You know, the, the conversation and the worry initially was due, you know, potential loss of memory or brain deterioration because of being basically dead for a few moments on the field and having no heartbeat. Um, the media reaction to it, um, certain people, uh, in the sports media community speaking a certain way that. We call them bad take artists, you know, colloquially. Do you think that in this day of social media, in this day of the hot take, the 24-hour news cycle, do you think that makes players more or less forthcoming to not just talk to medical, talk to you as their team doctor, but talk about their actual injuries? Are we going regressive into where players are trying to hide or subterfuge injuries. Like I think it's an open secret that that was a problem and then probably continue to be a problem at all levels of sports because of that warrior instinct that many athletes have, especially in sports like football or combat sports. <laughs> what have you seen in situations like that? The, the pressure of let's just go out and say a skip Bayless putting pressure on these athletes to perform, to try to check their male card or check their ability to be an alpha male. 
Uh, do you do you see that having a deterrentist effect? And I would love to hear from Rob and Corey after because they've played this game. They understand what it means to be an athlete and understand the potential that some guys may show up to play hurt because they feel that if they admit pain or admit that they're not 100%, that they're somehow less of a man. No. You know, the way the league's set up, right? No guaranteed con, you know, the, that the league that you're talking about, right? No guaranteed contracts for the majority of the players, right? So, and there's definitely no guarantee for your starting position next week if you sit, right? So, you know, so when, when they're looking back, I put all of this into my entire life to get to this spot, right? I'm, I'm not going to sit down and, and let somebody take it, right? I, I remember one in the not too distant past, right? You know, so. Um, you know, Alex Smith had a concussion with the Niners and, uh, and Colin Kaepernick came in and, you know, did well and, uh, took them to the Super Bowl. right? Alex Smith never played for the Niners again and he had a concussion, right? You know, so you, you take something like that, right? If Alex Smith would have had a concussion again at another time, would he admit it, right? Would he try to hide it and right, not try to get into that situation again, right? Even though they're trying to teach them not to do it, right? Report, you know, be, uh, that's one of the biggest challenges with concussion, right? It's self-reported symptoms, right? You know, so we have observations, right? You know, when somebody gets punched in a boxing match and you see them wobble, right? You're like, oh, they're probably concussed, right? You know, from that standpoint, that's what we're looking at. That's what, you know, leagues are hiring spotters to look for. That's what you're looking at as, as a, you know, a medical staff on a sideline, right? You're looking for those telltale signs, right? You don't have to rely on just them telling me, hey, I don't feel right, right? So um, when you have a chance to talk to them, you'll see their eyes rolling and, you know, uh, you know, you know, they're having their, their eyeballs bouncing back and forth and they can't stand straight, right? Slurring their speech, anything along those lines. But, you know, when, when you have people calling you out, right, you, 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 you're going to, you're going to try to tough it out when you know you probably shouldn't, right? Right. So... Well, I also think that the other side of the coin, because we mentioned Tua before, you know, th these topics are most important, I think, when we talk about the developmental and the youth and the for fun leagues. I think the NFL as, as, a, as a, just a general thing, since it's the highest level of the sport, since Tua Tonga-Vailoa, if he, if he doesn't have a concussion this year is a $350 million quarterback with $170 million guaranteed. And with the concussions, maybe he goes into the off season. I have zero idea what the contracts are, but I would ask the three of you is just, if you were the GM of the dolphins, would you give to a, you know, 30 million guaranteed for the next six years? And the, and the answer is tough because if you're really doing it as a business, if we're taking the humanity out of it and just playing, you know, franchise mode in Madden, and you know that the guy's injury rating is 27. But the thing is, is, is when does when does it become consent from Tua that he's going to fight through it and that we as the public can't uh, attach our, you know, selfish sensibilities that we just want to punish the NFL for giving guys concussions? Because I think. Everyone to a man will say that Julian Edelman in a Super Bowl toughing it out through a, a, a probable concussion to win the most important game maybe of his life was worth it for him. And people give him a pass. But in the regular season, when, when Tua Tonga-Vailoa is 
you know, the rest of the people that ever have his last name will be set financially for the rest of their lives on earth, mm -hmm. potentially for eons. If he were to make $300 million and with inflation, maybe he'll make it to next year. Um, but, but seriously, if, if we're okay with uh, a Julian Edelman risking his future and life and, 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 you know, brain health for a championship, why, why does the public and why is it so wrong at the highest level of our sport when all of these guys accept the risk? And, and this is kind of counterproductive to the conversation we're having, but I just, I just kind of wanted to ask the question because I guess it's relevant. Why is it not okay for a guy to push through to earn his family, you know, you know, generational money and, and it's, it's more important to get the win when it, when it matters instead of the, the reason that these guys are playing in, in, in the cash. I, you know, the whole Tua thing really bothered me because when you see a guy have a concussion, you obviously feel for him. Uh, but at the quarterback position, when we've said that this guy is injury prone his entire life and you see that he has at least the will, which I think is something that I admire, um, as, as a, a, a health professional at that level, at what point do you look a man in the eye and say, I don't really care at all about your, your toughness, man. This is more about life and death than it is about money and glory. Because for me, I'm, I'm the idiot that, and we had an argument about it this on our show. I'm the idiot that went back in a game with a fractured right foot after the, the backup quarterback went three and out. And I mean, you know, I threw a touchdown pass later, but I, I was not helping my team that much. Um, I had a broken foot. Now I don't run, mm -hmm. but you know, what would be your, cause I feel like if I was to a Tonga by low and I could make my, my family $300 million, you know, if you told me how I could work at a coal mine and I might not come out of the coal mine and I can get $300 million, you know, long time ago in this country, people were doing that for 30 cents. So as a health professional, how do you juggle that? Because at, at the highest level, which is which is both a the example for all of the people that watch it, which is right. all youth. But B, it's not the same as youth where these kids are being entrusted and their future is a lot more to do with their health than the ability for them to complete, you know, 70 percent of their passes. So I've talked yeah. enough. What would you say? You know. As far as when it comes to a specific time when it happens, that is part of the conversation sometimes, right? Uh, so when you took, when you take the Super Bowl versus a week five injury, right? So you still have to do this at least 13 more weeks after that before you even get to the part where it's single elimination, right? right. You know, do or die. So you would be able to say, look, it's not as important that you're healthy, right? You know, next week, right? Right? There's no rush. To next week's game doesn't mean that much, right? So from that standpoint, we'd rather have you healthy when it matters the most, right? right. Whether whether that's the right answer or not, right? Those are part of the conversations, right? And you're meeting with the GM, the coach, the players' agents, you know, all of that, right? You don't have it, the players' agents with the youth is the, is the parents, right? You tell the you tell the parents like almost every time, it's not that important that Johnny plays next week, right? You know, nobody nobody's signing an eight year old, you know, or fourteen year old yet, right? You know. So, uh, from that standpoint, but, uh, you, you know, you tell that to Mr. And Mrs. Johnny, I, I tell that every day, like, honestly, like, you know, when I have our concussion clinic, you know, I'm like I, Mr. I, and Mrs. I, Johnny, who doesn't even, 
play more than the 10 plays, it's okay if he misses right. those 10. No, sure. no I, I, but I get it. You know, so the Edelman versus Tua, you know, obviously you don't want Edelman to keep playing with that, right? You know, from, from that injury because he, he's putting himself at tremendous risk. Right. But you understand, right, that after tomorrow, he doesn't have a game for – you know, eight more that's months. That's true. Yeah. Right. That, that so, does make it because yeah, versus, versus too, you yeah. have to play six games later, six days later. Right. Yeah. You know, so, so that tincture of time, you have that, right. You, you can get healed. Right. And the other part of it comes back to, you know, and this is the, this is one of those things as a team doc, right. You talk to them, you know, is it a contract year for them now? Right. You hurt your back. Right. And you can have back surgery or you can try to push through it all year. You know, well, at the end of the year, now you have to have potentially back surgery and you're not healthy for your next year. So you don't get that contract. Right. Jimmy G. Right. You know, you know, from that standpoint. Right. So if you get the surgery done early. Right. You might be healthy. So when it comes time when they're trying to sign free agents before, you know, uh, you know, before the draft. Right. Or just afterwards. Right. You know, now you're healthy. You're able to make those passes. They're like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll give this guy a contract. But, you know, when you're asking about Tua's contract, you know, you know, we oftentimes will grade people on their health, right? And we'll make a recommendation to GMs and coaches. You know, not all of them are always listened to, right? But their different ones are, right? You know, from that standpoint, you're like, you know, Tua could be one more hit away, right, from his career being over, right? At this right. point, you could say that with anybody at any time, I guess, right? But the reality is there's there he his risk is higher right because of the pre-existing you know health conditions that he has i mean he's he's the glutton for punishment right i mean he had his hip dislocated in college right not very many people have hips dislocated dislocated playing football right that's that's and a at car 20, accident 21 yeah right 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 uh, that's up, a car up like 40 <laughs> i know bama was up 40 right nick right I know. So, right. So, you know, so he obviously he he's a tough guy. He doesn't need to play the tough guy card anymore. Right. Like he's proven it. Right. He's gone through major traumas. You know, right now, I just, you know, I hope they don't rush him out there for games, you know, out there when he's not ready, I, you know, at this point, because, you know, he could be putting the rest of his life on the line, not just his career. Yeah. So. So when when do you take it out of the player's hands? Let's say, oh, let's say two well, there's more. automatics, right? I mean, yeah. you know, if they're, if they're concussed, you take their helmet, you tell it, you know, they can, they can, they can call you every name in the book. They're dead. Their, their parents could be yelling at you from the stands, right? You're not letting them back in, right? There, there's no way, right? The coach can be yelling at you, you know, if they're, if they're at serious risk, right? You know, you know, I've, I've covered high school football or, you know, you're, you're covering a team for a high school and the other opposing team's quarterback throws a pick, right? And then they try to make the tackle. They get up and fall over twice, right? I come over there and, you know, I'm like, he's done for the game, right? The, the parents are yelling at me. The co- Their coach is yelling at me, telling them I'm cheating to try to make sure that, you know, the, the, the other team wins. I'm like, they're not, well, one, they're not going to beat you because they're not very good, you know, from that standpoint. But two, it's not worth it. And they're yelling at me. People get their bell rung every day. You know, if you want, if you see, he was in a boxing match, he got back up, right? He, he, he did a standing eight count, put him back out there. Right? I'm like, what, what are you doing? Like, it's, it's a high school game. 
right? It's the third week of the season, right. you know, and, and he fell over twice trying to get over to the sideline, right? You know, I had to run over there, help pick him up and get him to the sideline from the other sideline, right? You know, from that standpoint. And and they're yelling at me for doing that, right? <laughs> you know, for making that decision, right? But you got to you got to do what's right, you know, from that standpoint, uh, you know, for that, you know, so, you know, you got to call it, hey, get your game's over, right? You know, it's not worth it. So when you see when you see blatant signs of relatively severe concussion, there's nothing a player can do or say to keep himself in the game, even if it were a championship, especially in high school. Because let's leave the NFL, let's leave the NFL out of it. Because the NFL is those those are those are adults making business decisions. Like I said, coal miners used to risk death for 30 cents. But but if if you're at the youth level, college level where this isn't this isn't your livelihood. You see any evidence of dilated pupils, slurred yeah. speech, you know, not knowing, you know, not knowing that it's Saturday, you know, that there's nothing a, a, a guy can do to prove it. Uh, there, it's not worth it. It's not worth Completely it for agree. you as the coach. Completely it's not agree. worth it for me as a doctor. It's not worth it for them as the parent, right? When, if their kid's not there tomorrow, right? You know, yes. right. so, so to me, it's not worth it, right? They, they could hate you for the rest of their lives, but you got to make that right call, you know, from that standpoint, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to stop it, right? I, you know? I, f- I find the bias implication really interesting because I've, I've heard things like that before regarding people who are not directly responsible to the game and somehow their decision when it comes to either player or overall safety is a net negative for a team with because of someone's bias or because of someone's agenda. Mm-hmm. You're a medical doctor. You're, you're, you, yeah. you take an oath upon becoming a medical doctor to do no harm and to ensure that all that are under your care are getting the best care possible to their potential professional detriment. If I failed a physical, if I was Carlos Correa, yeah, I'd be mad. Mm-hmm. I'd be mad, but that would be a doctor telling me something for the betterment of my life, the longevity right. of my life in mm-hmm. terms of being healthy and being an able-bodied human being. You know, he's already got a couple hundred million dollars. You know, I'm a Met fan. It's been a long week. You've been a Met fan. It's been a long life. Uh, you don't need to rub it in, bro. Don't need to rub they it in. They look pretty good on paper right they now, do. man. But they you know do. how that goes. You know how uh, that goes. But oh, Dr. Man. DiLuigi, in the last few minutes we have with you here, um, what's your overall goal this year in getting the A7FL to be healthier. We talked about DeMar Hamlin earlier. I know that there's been extensive conversations about CPR training being a universal mandatory thing, and I'm completely in favor of that. Um, I think have how we look at the game is going to continue to evolve, and I think your addition to the team is honestly one of the best moves we could make as a league when we're continuing to grow. Because at the forefront of everything, it's not a marketing statement. It's not PR gaga. The players' health and safety is, to me, the most important thing because the players are the most important asset. If you're looking to protect your investment, and our investment are our players because our players are our collateral. They are the quantifiable thing we as a business sell. Mm-hmm. If I'm not doing my due diligence as, you know, I, I work in the, the marketing and advertising department, so I'm going to push the idea of the game being safer, but I'm going to, we're going to back it up. And this is your hiring, you're coming on board, is backing that up. I know there's been conversations about you building a medical advisory board. 
What yes. are the things, our final question to you is, what are the things you're looking for from a medical advisory board member? And what are the things you would want to impart to the players who are now falling under your purview about what your relationship with them and what the medical advisory board relationship with them will be? Right. So in general, you know, when we think about sports medicine, right, you know, it's always been mostly musculoskeletal, right? That's what most people think about injuries, you know, orthopedic style injuries, right? Concussion has been bigger, right? So now we started thinking about head injuries, but there's still many other traumatic injuries that can occur, right? And Demar, uh, you know, Demar Hanlon is, you know, had, you know, had shown that again, right? You know, severe chest trauma or, and and cardiac issues are relatively uncommon, right? You know, you know, we have Hank Gathers, you know, dying on a court. We have, you know, Hamlin having to be resuscitated on the field, right? They happen. They don't happen as frequently as ACL tears. They don't happen as frequently as concussions, but they happen, right? So, so it reiterates the importance of still having plans for the full medical aspect of it, right? So, you know, CPR training, you know, you know, by itself, right, is it doesn't take a lot of time to learn how to do it correctly, right? And it can be life-changing, right, as Damar Hanlon, you know, is, is clearly demonstrating, right? And for them to be able to have those staff personnel, right? But, you know, in youth sports, you know, if the coaches or get CPR training, you never know when somebody might go down in a grocery store or anywhere else where that could happen, right? But, you know, if it's there and you're saving a child's life, because you know CPR and it's helpful, then then by all means. So, but the medical advisory team that I'd like you know be putting together would have experts on the different aspects of sports medicine from that standpoint, right? So we are looking for those medical conditions, right? You know, the cardiopulmonary issues, right? Musculoskeletal, neurologic head injury, right? From that standpoint. So we have experts across the overall spectrum, and then we would work with the leagues and the divisions from that standpoint, right? And sharing with them that, hey, we're here with you. We're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to put people on the sidelines prematurely. We're not trying to, you know, you know, take away from your game. We're here to work beside you so that you have that trust that we're there, right? That that you know, we are to your extent, your parachute, right? From that standpoint, right? You can go out there and give it your all knowing that we're there beside you, right? And and if you get hurt, you know, or if you get injured or if you're ill, you know, we're there to, to help you get back out, you know, uh, and, and safely return to the game, right? You know, you know, the goal is, isn't for you to go out there and get hurt and have a catastrophic injury. We're, you're, you're going out there, you're enjoying the, you know, safe competition, you know, in, in a com combats, combative sport, right, that you love. And, and our goal there is to say, we are there, you know, by your side, right, uh, on the sidelines, right, you know, from that standpoint, uh, you know, whether it's your trainer, whether it's the EMT staff, whether if you have a team doc or not, you know, from that standpoint, we're all there working for your health and safety, right, because we want you out there playing, right, we want you to not He's have talking to, to me, guys, you guys don't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we don't want you on the sidelines standing next to me, <laughs> you know, you guys can stand next to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll be in the booth calling the games and and waiting for Corey to to no longer be a member of the Rawway Schnor Schnow tribe. 
Schnorr tribe. That was what they were last Schnorr season. Tribe. You already snored. <laughs> <laughs> That's Rob from uh, episode 22. Um, now, this is this is the question that I wanted to put my uh, my clown makeup on before, uh, Dr. DeLuigi. And um, let's, let's just assume that as busy and important as your life is, you may have missed some of our episodes of the 3-on-1 podcast, and we forgive you for that. But uh, a constant theme has been my... What? Nothing. Just, uh, we just, we've had a we very serious going. medical conversation. With, he's a doctor from the Mayo Clinic. We don't have to do uh. the merch plugs, but you know what? <laughs> I didn't even do which shirt he was going to pick yet. I was going to even make it more about Corey Hammond, guys. Oh, I was going to talk about my weight loss and how that coincides with my safety. Because let's be honest, I'm going to use this to the best of my ability to, to make this about me. So, so Dr. DeLuigi, I... You know, we started this this journey uh, post uh, championship where I was 235. Now, you know, six foot 235, a little bit of chubbiness. I'm down to the 195. Nice. Should I be scared for my health? Because I've been relatively a healthy quarterback and I'm a stand in the pocket, you know, get hit all the time guy. My my favorite uh, uh, opinion of me in our league is a guy, Big Mo Laffy, says that I'm made of iron. Now, some of what I was made of was lipids, and those are now not there. Um, should you lost I your be question. concerned you lost your question. at my, my weight, or is there something that I can do to make sure that even though I weigh less and am a little bit more fleet of foot, that I stay go. upright the entire yeah. uh, nine weeks of the season? You, you probably increased your elusiveness, right? You know, that 45 oh, pounds. I, I, I went from, oh, yeah, I went he's from like, like a Madden, Madden 04 now. Yeah. No, 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 no. Excuse me. I went from like a 40 LJ would say in elusiveness. Now I'm like a 67. So um, I'm at least comparable to, let's say a a Drew Bledsoe. Um, (laughs) Buffalo. Always known for his elusiveness. (laughs) Exactly. Which is why I will still be throwing the ball. But uh, yeah, obviously that was more of a joke than anything, but legitimately is this a CC Spathia situation? Should I be uh, headed to McDonald's right now? No, I think you're no. I think it's good. You know, uh, again, you give you the give you that extra little mobility in the pocket, right? Getting, a, you know, if if you need to move out, right, and you know, throw on the run. I think that's going to help you out, right? That that is that is the that has been the book on me, doctor. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, after ten years of hearing the same thing, this is how stubborn I am. Um, I made my decision on my own, ignoring everyone else, and I said, you know what? I have this great idea that no one's ever told me before. I'm going to work out and get in shape, but as everyone knows, <laughs> I'll try. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Right, losing weight is not easy, and so oh, it does knows. take a lot of work and effort. And so, congratulations on that. And I hope that we see you're having a great, successful season. I just there. didn't eat after eight, and uh, I know I, 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 I need to cut out a that little out. bit. Too. Yeah. Um, and then now, work. what they what they've ruined before. Uh, it, the most important question we ask every guest, and they don't love it, but I do. And no one's chosen my shirt, by the way. And I ask it. <laughs> um, we have some merch for the show, and it's right. it's it's based on either catchphrases or or, or little things that you know kind of uh, are associated with us. Uh, my guy, Big Rob Fabian, is known for the hus hus is the juke the juke sound that he makes uh, during the broadcast. That is a cool shirt option. You already know because we talked about it. You already know, which we haven't talked about. And I'm not going to fill you in because you're you're too intelligent for all of that nonsense. But every season is thick boy season in the A7FL. Look at Matt. Matt is ne- 
Rob groans and shakes his head at me all the time. At least Matt, you're usually on my side. He's like, don't embarrass us in front of the smart people. <laughs> he works for the so Mayo Clinic. We just know and, about mayonnaise. And he, enjoys, and he enjoys his off time probably doing not intelligent stuff. Right, doctor? You're, you're <laughs> using your brain to top capacity all the time. You can deal with a little bit of idiocy, and that's what I'm here for. That's, that's so the that, next sure. A little bit of idiocy. <laughs> I mean, I would wear the one that says a lot of it on the back, but Matt's shirt says thick boy season has your boy. We were talking about the sexiness has your boy, Matt. Um, you know, my wife did a beautiful design and it's so, awesome. Or the I'll try. Yeah, so you have the three options of shirts just so that we can keep the tally. Big Rob's is hus hus. The thick boy season shirt or I'll try. Which would you go with doctor? I mean, the hus hus is classic. So, so yeah. Put another one up for Big Rob. Appreciate yeah. you, Doc. I'm not even keeping track of this anymore. We're just going to say, all right, we know you're choosing Hus Hus. Of the other two, which you get. But let's be it's, fair, he's Rob. He's still fighting for a win. It's like watching he's him on the right. field. It's the fourth quarter. He's down yeah. three. Half the team is what down the is street. The thing that I say? Yeah. I say what? I'll try. And I'll I haven't try. stopped. And yeah. I will continue to. <laughs> Dr. D. Luigi. Well, thank you so much thank for dealing you. with my, uh, you know, painted face. I got you know, red cheeks, red nose, and we're good to go. Um, yeah. You know, luckily I have my two intelligent sidekicks here. Well, I'm a sidekick. I'm the I'm host just, of the show. I woke up at <laughs> all having to remind people I'm the host. I just did unzippered my This is the safety on the podcast. <laughs> what is it? What? No. What? <laughs> Hey, Matt, I am also a sidekick. Yeah, man. I'm not <laughs> saying that you guys. Am I a puppet? Oh, am I the Jackie puppet now? You want me to write you jokes? I'm, I'm kidding, man. But Dr. D. Luigi, thank you so I much for joining bad us. Jokes. You can write me some good jokes, man. <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. D. Luigi, joining us here on the podcast. We'll hope to have you on under as fun circumstances as the back half of the podcast uh, in the near future. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. And I want to thank everybody else for listening and enjoying the podcast. As always, you can follow us across social media. All that information is in the show notes. And if you want to buy some merch, it's tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. That's tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. For Dr. D. Luigi, for Corey Hammond, for Big Rob Fabian, I'm Matt Ryan. And as always... Don't be an asshole. I'll try. Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are, because that means you can give us money. That's right, you can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch that's tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch up there right now we have some thick boy season merchandise we've got some hus hus shirts and also we've got some Corey hammond related merchandise coming soon a Corey hammond Corey hammond's t-shirt hoodie and a whole lot more you can get all of them right now sent to you nice comfy and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch and also you can find it in the show notes now back to that podcast you like.